All right, everybody, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. We have a very special guest today, Steve Biondo. Steve, welcome to the podcast. My joy. Thank you, John. Great to be here. So, Steve, you and I were introduced by a very close mutual friend of ours, Roy Clark, down in Southern Florida. Roy's been on the podcast. And uh, Steve, you are the president of the Tim Tebow Foundation. And the work you guys are doing is incredible. And you have uh, just everybody, a little bit of background. Uh, Steve started out his career in human resources and in leadership, worked at some very large Fortune 500 companies, the Gap, in Old Navy. And then you actually, uh, through that career, you actually moved to Family Christian, where you were there for a very long time. And you headed up their foundation, doing a lot of work in orphan care. And just through this crazy journey, God prepared you for this season of your life. And I know you had a big transition between what you were doing in kind of the traditional business world to now uh, the Tim Tebow Foundation. And we're going to be talking about this. And you'd shared something with Steve Ryder, who's on with me here, that you know that you felt like 25 years of your life and all the highs and lows of that is actually what prepared you for what you're doing now. And I think there's a great value in actually looking at what we go through in the context of God preparing us for what's next, right? We're being pruned over mm. and over and over so that our vine is actually stronger and flourishes and actually bears more fruit and richer fruit and sweeter fruit, right? But that pruning process uh, isn't always fun to go through. So, and it's just a little bit, I know you're going to talk about the Tim Tebow Foundation, but man, I'm so excited. What you guys did recently at Night to Shine, and I was following that. So just think about this, guys. Here, from an idea, when God put the passion on our heart, Here's how that's manifested. So what happened this year, you guys had 150,000 volunteers from 530 churches, 16 countries. You honored 90,000 special guests, right? You guys have also been part of providing over 2,000 life-changing medical procedures in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. You guys have these uh, Timmy's Playrooms and different children's hospitals around the world. You guys are also involved in adoption. You've been able to provide 76 adoption grants. I mean, that's a whole other topic. We've actually done podcasts on this for so many middle-class families that would love to adopt, but the cost is almost prohibitive. But right. if you get over that hurdle, they'd be the most amazing family, and they want a child, but financially they can't get there. So anyway, that's just a little bit of the background, guys. So, but we're going to be talking about just some really key things on not only Steve's journey and things that he's learned, but how he's been able to lead because Steve, one thing I admire about you, just having getting known you from afar, is not only your ability to set up systems and policies and processes that are incredibly um, powerful, you've led in a way that has woven in and integrated in a real way the vision, the mission, and the values of the organization into the culture. But I think most importantly and really impressive is the way that you lead or have led has just shaped in a positive way the hearts and the minds of those people that you have had influence over and those that they have had influence over. We call that leading beyond influence. And I really think that is a kingdom leadership model. So with that, uh, buddy, I'd love for you to just kind of, you know, maybe go back uh, from where you'd like to and just, you know, share your journey up to here. Yeah. uh, Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's a privilege to be here, and, and certainly it is my greatest joy and privilege to serve as leader of the Tim Tebow Foundation, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but that is God's call. It's his sovereign appointment, and I am just so um, stunned and grateful 
that it gets to be me. So there's just a ton of gratitude around that. I gave my life uh, to the Lord a little bit later in life, not way down the track, but I was a 17-year-old young man in high school. And I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. I believed in a resurrection. I believed in a virgin birth, but I had no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I was just, it was like this works mentality, try to save yourself. And through Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I found out that this was a gift, that this is a personal relationship, that there's nothing that I can do to save myself. All that work was done by Jesus Christ. And so uh, my junior year, that summer, I gave my life to the Lord. And that was really the beginning of this most amazing journey of wanting to understand uh, Jesus and, and enter into a deep relationship with him, but also want to understand how he led, how he influenced, how he served. And really adopting the servant leadership principles of Jesus Christ as my call, as my passion. Um, when I got done with high school, I went off to college and I was actually pursuing a degree in medicine. I was doing the uh, playbook football. That was fun. But I was also an EMT and uh, working in physical therapy and at our local hospital there and in my hometown of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, and during college, I found it really hard to defend my faith. I didn't have a real deep ability to talk about the theology of my faith or the underpinnings of my faith, or even to have a solid apologetic to kind of defend the faith. And I was kind of getting crushed by all kinds of mm. different thoughts uh, at the college that I was going to. So it was interesting. I had this thought, like, I need to prepare myself. And we were studying First and Second Peter, and then there's this powerful verse that says, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And I was not. And God just kind of called me out and said, hey, take a break. Don't pursue the medical thing right now. Why don't you go away and go to school and study me? And so I actually went to um, Cornerstone University's um, theological seminary. It was called something different back in the day, but uh, went and got uh, a master's degree there. And it profoundly changed the trajectory of my life. And the most important course that we studied there was the study of who God was. And, so, Steve, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Because right? I can imagine, right, you've done all this work to get into medical school, which is crazy, and all this hard work, right, in the middle of medical school, and making this pivot, I'm sure, would be, you know, your friends, your family, all these things. Uh, sure. So this is an example of you hearing God's voice and actually being obedient and following it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people look at that pivot point and go, wow, that must have been hard. Could you share a little bit about what was going through your mind during that point? Yeah, it was profoundly challenging because there was, you know, everybody and me had the expectation I was going to go off and maybe be a pediatrician, uh, working with kiddos. And anyway, I was stunned myself, but I, I frankly knew that the rest of my life I was going to be serving the king of the universe. And I was ill-equipped to be a good disciple, to really represent him well. And, and just people in my life at that time, this little church that we were going to in Grand Rapids, uh, our youth pastor and three or four men that were in my life came alongside and they just were deep advocates for what's God calling you to do. And so they gave me the courage. And then I had huge support from my family and parents. And even though the trajectory and the momentum were in one direction, there was this band of brothers and family that were around me that were in support of me pursuing a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ and being able to defend uh, the faith that I had. So tons of support. And that changed the whole direction of my life. I, in that particular period of time, it's where I really was captured by, enamored by the idea of being a great leader, regardless of the technical expertise, wherever God places you, lead influence with godly excellence. Ended up not going into medicine. He actually redirected my paths into business. 
And that was important next step in the cycle of my growth. So finished graduate school and during graduate school, you got to pay the bills and I'd gotten married. And so we were independent and I started working for a grocery wholesaler um, and retailer and just working in the warehouse. And I had a supervisor who was an amazingly godly man. And he just took me on as his disciple. And I was impressed with this young man. His name was Steve. And Steve just led well. And here's what he did. In every interaction with us, we were, you know, teamsters. And it's kind of, there's always a tension between management and the union. And I wasn't one of those guys, but he was faced with a large work group, not just me. But there was always this tension. In everything that he did, he exalted Jesus Christ. So he was Christ exalting in everything. How we set up the ship. And what did that look like, Steve? I was blown away by a man who was an effective leader, extremely qualified and tender, and got the very, very best out of us as a workforce. I was excited to work for him. I wanted to be the best that I could be for Steve because he led us so well. And it was his deep faith that he was Christ exalting in word and in deed and consistently. And it inspired me. And this guy, he's gone on to be with the Lord. He, he actually died with cancer a little bit ago. But it was his actions and how he led and the conviction of his heart that inspired me to step into leadership in that very same company. And Steve was just like... What he modeled for you about yeah. walking out your faith in the world and what it. that, how that directed you as you kind of took on maybe... Uh, how your understanding of the purpose of leadership was. Uh, I'm glad you slowed me down because I'm also excited to tell the whole story, but this is the important thing. <laughs> you know, so Steve, there was no separation between his faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he did. It was just who he was. He was just going to exalt Jesus Christ in everything he did, how he drove his car, how he talked to his boss, how he talked to us. He was Christ exalting in everything. It was an action. It was an adverb. The other thing that was really, really key is he knew what his mission was. And on a daily basis, the small mission was, hey, let's have a great shift. Let's get the work together and let's get it out in eight hours. But his bigger mission was, this is my team. This is the, the workforce that God has entrusted me with. And my mission is to love them well. My mission is to put their interest ahead of my own. And so he had this mission that was a part of his relationship with Jesus Christ. The circumstances of his life he would manage with excellence, but his real mission was to be Jesus in that workplace, to love us well. So to love God and to love others, to put the interests of others ahead of his own. And then in all ways to make sure that we were cared for, that we knew that we were loved, always challenged. He wasn't easy, but it was just this amazing, effective leadership. And that's, I just, I knew, I mean, I told him, I want to be you when I grow up. I want to love well, serve well, lead well. And he just would say, Steve, it's just always about the mission. Just remember, it's always about the mission. And there's a mission for everything. But the big mission, when you zoom way out, make disciples. And God didn't say, do make disciples, you know, when you're in the church. He just said, make disciples. And he didn't say, love people just when you're hanging out with a bunch of brothers and sisters in Jesus. He just said, love everybody. And so Steve just did that. And so he was, there was no separation of sacred or secular. It was, we are on a mission. That mission is universal. There's no environment specific. It's just everybody you encounter. And he never was a judge and he never was a critic. He just loved us well. He was always straight up with us and honest. It gave us very, very effective and direct feedback. But it wasn't this judgmental harshness. It was this, I care about you because I love you. I'm going to give you this feedback so you can make the correction and grow in one of those five areas. And that's just good leadership, all of that. Yeah, and when you said, right, uh, 
he cared about people in, in everywhere, spiritually, physically, emotionally, their professional development. His mission was to love people well, but you said he was challenging. It wasn't always easy to work for him. Can you share a little bit about what that looks like? Because I think there's a perception if we love people, mm. right, then mm. it's almost a little bit of softness. And I've seen a lot of organizations where people they mm. try to implement servant leadership. And when that happens is people feel like, well, I just need to really be accepting of kind of what people do and how they do it. And accountability drops, results drop. And then people kind of snap back to being more in control right. and they kind of switch between these two realms because they don't know how to do servant leadership in a way that really um, brings out the best in people. Amen. Right? If I see something in you that you don't see in yourself. I'm going to have to work with you in a way that actually forces some transformational change to occur. And that's not always fun, mm -hmm. but it is in your best interest. Does that make sense? That's so key. And that's God's view of us. You know, he loves us perfectly. And he wants us to be the very best version of ourselves that he intended. He knows what's best for us, what we're capable of. And he can continuing to bring us through the process of sanctification as we grow. But he's no slouch. <laughs> he is remarkably tender, but he's also remarkably consistent in bringing about the very best for us. And sometimes that is tough love and it requires discipline. And that's what Steve had. He would give us this clear expectation of what success looks like. And he would say, guys, that is the best that you can possibly be. That's the best that we can possibly do as a team. And if we fall short of that, because I love you so well and I care about your success, it's my obligation as your leader to call out the weaknesses and the things that we didn't do well. And that's just good love. You think about parenting. I mean, parenting is the classic example of it. We love our kids so much that we are willing to tell them, you are headed toward danger. Don't put your finger in the socket. You know, Pull your hand out of the fire. You're going to get burnt. A good father, a good mother is the one that warns, tells the truth, speaks the truth effectively, and it's because they love so well. Now, we can get a little bit silly at points in time if we forget the mission, because the mission with our brothers and sisters, God's mission with us as sons and daughters, ours with our own sons and daughters, is to raise up the best possible version of an individual who can serve others. And that's not an easy street. And that means we have to help them learn responsibility. We have to help them grow, become independent. We have to help them think, think critically, be able to go to the source of truth, which is God's word in a relationship with him and use that powerfully as individuals and as leaders. But that's the mission. And the mission isn't happiness. The mission is deep effectiveness for Jesus Christ for the sake of our King. God's not even concerned that much about our happiness. He's really concerned about our holiness, you know? And so this supervisor had that same love for us. I'm really concerned about your effectiveness, your integrity. And so challenging you on your weaknesses, giving you immediate feedback when you fail, holding you accountable for excellence, but always with a, Hey, because I love you so much, I need to give you this feedback. There's this great quote by Henry, Harry Truman. Uh, he said, I never gave you hell. I told you the truth and it felt like hell. And that was, uh, <laughs> that, that was my buddy Steve. <laughs> You know, he just told us the truth. And sometimes it felt bad, but we knew it was designed to get us to a better place as a person, as uh, a worker, as a teammate. And it was in that spirit. And so that's just profound, good love. Whole person love is this love that holds you accountable, challenges you, tells you the truth, all under the umbrella of you are deeply loved. And so help, helping to move you forward, this is the truth that you need to understand. So, Steve, as you move forward in your career, you know, so the Gap and Old Navy and you actually mm -hmm. moved up. So you were actually now head direct reports. You had a team that you were leading. 
Right. As you looked at Steve's, what he had modeled for you, what Christ had modeled for you, mm. what did you learn about yourself when you were now in the role to be for others what Steve had been for you? Yeah, I mean, there's just key principles that I really began to dig in on. Uh, and my wife and kids will vouch for the fact that I am all about certain principles or just non-negotiables in my life that shape up my framework and my value system. But, but one was uh, speed of the leader, speed of the team. I learned that the leader will have to set the pace and the, will, the leader has to be willing to do all that that he asks of his team or her team. And a leader has to be willing to bow their knee. And it's, these aren't words. These are real examples. Silly little example is this at Family Christian, but you'll get the point. And it's a powerful point. On Fridays, we would have free popcorn day at Family Christian. And uh, people would go up, get their popcorn, and then they would spill it all over the floor. And I walked up and I thought, this is odd. My dad taught me never walk past a problem. That was one of my dad's big inputs, one of his big. And I'm walking up and there's popcorn all over the place. And so I'm just in my brain, why aren't people picking it up? Well, yeah, I mean, you got to do that, what you need to do. So I bend down, start picking up the popcorn. And it was gone and I walked away and I came back an hour later, there's popcorn all over the place. I start picking up the popcorn and I walk away. And I came back about an hour later and guess what? People were picking up the popcorn and it was just, Speed of the leader, speed of the team. Be willing to yeah. bow your knee. Even though you're the leader, you're the organizational executive, don't walk past a problem, whether it's relational, whether it's operational, whether it's service, whether it's emotional, tactical, doesn't matter. Don't walk past a problem. Stop, bend a knee, regardless of position, and set the proper example. So I learned that. Speed of the leader, speed of the team. Always be willing to bow your knee. As a leader, always, always, always put the interest of others ahead of your own. Always. And people respond to that. They respect that. They will go to war, to the wall for you when you are serving them and their interests. And then, you know, how do you do that? And I actually set up a little framework so I could remember it because I'm a relatively simple guy. It's in three areas that I want to serve people. Head, heart, hustle. Head, heart, hustle. I want to help them grow intellectually. I want them to acquire technical skills. I want to invest in them so that they're great learners and they understand that lifelong learning is effective and very important because if you stop learning, you stop bleeding. So if you're on my team, I'm going to focus on helping you intellectually head heart. I'm going to work on your heart. We're going to work on your heart together. You know, our passions are the mission that we're on our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, I have this beautiful relationship here now with my team at TTF and we are studying the sovereignty of God, what it means to be in his kingdom, what it means to surrender, what it means to be about his agenda, not our own. But we are investing in the person's heart. You know, this is the platform. This is the solid ground. This is where the rock gets established within our framework of values and heart and our relationship with, with Jesus Christ. But I'm going to invest in you as a leader in your heart and then hustle. I'm going to help you with your work and with your work output and with being effective and running and understanding work ethic and understanding what it means to be all in with the team. And there's so much more to that, but it's the framework on which I hang my hat on which I serve my team. I'm going to serve you on those three dimensions. It's the kind of people I hire. I'm going to hire you. I'm going to interview you around your head, your heart, your hustle to see if you match, if you fit. Um, it just is a great framework. It's probably a great t-shirt actually, but I just love the framework. <laughs> I just love the framework on serving and building your team and acquiring the kind of people that fit. And you have to define for your organization the values that are important in each of those areas or the non-negotiables. So I learned that along that way. 
I learned a lot about process. You got to have a good process. Not that we serve process. Process is designed to serve an end result, but have a good plan. Do a current state assessment. Be honest with your strengths and weaknesses. You know, confront those weaknesses with a plan. There's a whole bunch of organizational psychology around that, driving forces, restraining forces. And I studied that well, and it's been a great influence in my life. It's actually very helpful even today as we look at relationships. You know, you can sit down in any relationship between my daughter and my son. Hey, why is the relationship a little tense right now? You guys help me describe the current state. What's working really well in your relationship and what's not working well? And those weaknesses or restraining forces keep the relationship from growing. And if we can talk about those and be honest and go to God's word, we can actually find solutions for these weaknesses or these restraining forces. And if we deal with just one of them, the relationship will move forward. It will grow. And so I still use all of that process stuff that I learned both at Spartan Stores and at The Gap in my life and in my relationships here. So process is important, having a good plan. But then there's, you know, the values of remaining flexible, of continuing to update the plan, you know, continuous process improvement, get lots of feedback from stakeholders, don't take it personal, you know, go and seek feedback. Um, Those are some of the profound things that I learned as I grew through those early years of being a new leader. Yeah, and in your journey through all this too, what are some of the biggest, being an effective leader, a kingdom leader, what are some of the biggest challenges struggles that maybe you went through personally, Steve? Yeah, I mean, so um, intentionality, uh, learning not to waste time was a big challenge. Um, I think the word that we've lost focus on in our culture a little bit is discipline and sacrifice. I think we got to re-embrace those words or discover them anew, but we need to be making sacrifices for each other, real sacrifices. We in America are blessed. We're, we, we're a little spoiled, frankly. We just have so much. And if you get up and go around the world, you just see a whole different economy. But we need actually as individuals, and and me, I need to give up more for the sake of others. But I think we also need to be really intentional and really disciplined in our relationships. So, um, you know, I just, as my kids were growing up, I just, there was one day where I missed it bad and it broke me and I just changed. Uh, I came home and I just happened to be sitting around reading something. I wasn't a guy who read the paper. I just was reading something. I don't know, it was an outside magazine or something. And, And a couple of my little kiddos were just, you know, around my ankles and wanted daddy's time. And. I didn't do anything hurtful. I just didn't pay attention. I just didn't pay attention. And all of a sudden I looked down and my kids are just, you know, dad, come on, we're here. See us. We're your children. I mean, they didn't use those words, but that's what they were pleading for. And I got my head or nose in some nonsense that matters nothing. And I thought, I am not intentional. I have got to stop this and pay careful, careful attention to what's going on around me in every relationship. Cause I can move fast. I'm kind of a, been identified as somebody moves fast. And if I'm moving too fast, I'm missing the essentials. And so I really, you know, 15 years ago, decided to just be really, really intentional in every aspect. So one of the things that we did to free up time, my wife and I about 10 years ago now, and we intentionally gave up TV because we found that in our lives that we could use that time to do other things that were more important. And so intentionally using our time, recognizing our time is short, recognizing that today we have an opportunity to serve people, to rescue orphans or widows or those trafficked in the sex trade, to really get a mindset about what God's all about and his mission. And I think it's just amped up my intentionality. And discipline is on all those dimensions. We need to be more disciplined physically than we are. We need to be more disciplined spiritually, me, more disciplined spiritually than I am more disciplined intellectually, more disciplined emotionally, and more disciplined socially. And so I just dedicated myself intentionally to all those kind of things, to stay fit, 
to stay fit for whatever God asks me to do. If he asks me to haul a load of brick up a mountain to bring home, uh, bring bricks to a widow's home in Guatemala, then I have to be physically ready to do that. If he asks me to go and put my life on the line for a child who needs to be rescued from the sex trade or from a brothel, then I have to be physically ready to do that. Spiritually, just constantly. So on all of those dimensions, being really intentional and working and doing the same thing that you do in business. Do a current state of analysis. Being honest with you, yourself, how am I doing physically, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, and socially? And give yourself a grade and then do the work that's necessary. So those were big, important elements um, recently. So the big challenge, here's the big one, guys. I've never been without a job. Um, always had a place to serve and to lead from the time that I was a youngin. And um, the corporation that I love so much, Family Christian, liquidated in 2017. And I was called there. Uh, and everybody, all 4,000, I wasn't unique, all 4,000 of us were called. And because of the internet and the smaller space, the smaller market that faith-based product fits in, we got beat up, beat up big time by online sales. And although we didn't lose a lot of customers, the basket size really shrunk. And at a point in time, our owners just made a decision to liquidate. And it was hard because we, we were serving. We were serving lives for those stores. We were serving and touching 1.5 million orphans and widows and children from the sex trade every year through the James Fund. Um, how long has you been there, Steve? I uh, had been there 15 years. Mm. Wow. Yeah, so it was beautiful. And we intentionally celebrated every day, again, because of the work that God did in my life. Just we didn't take any day for granted. We were together as a team. The culture was rich. We were focused on serving. We were focused on orphan care, widow care, anti-human trafficking. And the entire organization was profoundly, all of Isaiah 58 is what we were living out. One of my favorite mm. verses, chapters in, in all of scripture. This idea, this is the real fast that I want to put the oppressed ahead of our own desires to serve the orphan, to set the desires of the afflicted free, Isaiah 58.10. And if you do so, your light will shine before men and you'll be called repairer of the walls and rebuilder of the streets. And that's what we were doing. It, oh man, it was so beautiful. But God said that season is over. And to learn about the sovereignty of God in that decision and to celebrate all that he allowed us as an organization to do and say, thank you, Father. And we accept this outcome as your will. You are sovereign over all things, all things. And so we go and we, we cried, but we celebrated the goodness of God and we all walked away. And then I had to wait. I'd never been without a job. And so the waiting was so hard. Um, and it actually ended up being an 11 month journey between the time I left family Christian and between the time God seated me here at the Tim Tebow foundation. And in that season, I had to learn to wait and I had to know and remind myself that every day God is good. God is glorious. God cares. He knows he is faithful and all that he can do is good. All that he can do is good. That is just his nature. Everything I learned 25, 30 years ago in seminary as I studied the character of God came into powerful remembrance in this season of waiting because as I reflected on his character, I was set free from any anxiety and any worry. And it was still odd waking up every day going, man, I don't have a job today and no income, but I'm going to spend some money somehow, <laughs> you, know? you know, kind of go through our savings a little bit. But we just knew that that was God's money, not ours anyway, because we had surrendered all that to the Lord a long time ago. But that was really, really hard. And here's what I learned that even though my circumstances change, my mission never did. So my circumstances were valley. But 
the mission was the same. Wake up today, Steve, and wake up, serve, repeat. Wake up, serve, repeat. Still love God, still love people. Put the interest of others ahead of yourself. Go find a way to use the gifts that God's given you to touch people's life. Make his name great, exalt him. The mission never changed. The execution and the building I went to changed, but the mission never changed. And he just filled us up. And then I also used the time. And then so you go intentionally now, I've got a gap here. What can I do? Well, let's study. So I worked with a buddy of mine who has this powerful ministry called Call to Obedience. And he took me through a nine-month study on God's sovereignty. That's uh, just powerful. And so we just celebrated the goodness of the Lord through all of that season. And then God began. And then we just surrendered. So we learned. Um, this is a whole other conversation. But just this idea of surrender. I'm not my own. My life is not my own. My wallet is not my own. My house is not my own. My geography is not my own. My kids belong to you. They are surrendered. But it's so free and so powerful. And so in this period of waiting, and what could have been a pretty anxious period of time, we just absolutely surrendered everything. Lord, wherever you take us, wherever we go, it's because it is by your design and because you are wise and you are good. And he began to knit together the pieces. And ultimately, through a series of circumstances, I met this wonderful recruiter who he and I fell in love. And he put me in front of a big Fortune 10 company, Fortune 50 company. And I came in second. And we just both knew that this wasn't what God wanted for us. But he came to me and he said, I just am so grateful that we have met. I want to represent you in the faith-based space and be one of your primary advocates. And I said, thank you. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And please do. And he said, no, this is normally what we do, but I want to do it at a whole nother level. And I want to make you my project. And I, again, humbly thank you. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Blinkist is a book summary description that has more than 2,500 titles in their archives. They distill the key thoughts and points into easily digestible 15-minute reads. I just recently read Abundance by Peter Diamandis and was so blown away that I got the book from my local public library and read the entire thing. Others, like Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, I was quite fine with the Blinkist version. Read in their beautifully designed mobile app at their website, export to your Kindle, or listen to the audio version on the go. I prefer to listen while I read along right before I go to sleep. I fell in love with this service last year and turned John onto them in December. You as a listener, have our word that any products or services that John or I advertise on this show, we personally use and are not just fans, but raving fans. Blinkist is definitely in that category. So try it with a seven-day free trial. And if you use our affiliate link that's embedded in the summary of this MP3 or at eternalleadership.com slash blink, it's an easy way for you to help support all the work that Sandra, John, Daisy, Fidias, and myself put into keeping this show going. So please, if saving hours and hours by reading a well-written summary of some of the top books out there sounds like something you'd want to try for seven days, click on that affiliate link, eternalleadership.com slash blink. Thanks. Steve, at what point during that journey did that happen? Did you yeah. get to know that recruiter? Because you said it was an 11-month journey, and before the interview, yeah. you said you've been with Tim Tebow now for a year today, yeah. Yeah. April 1st, 2019. Yeah. So this journey has been very recent for you. So it at has. what point in that did you meet the recruiter, and did he say, you're my project? Yeah, so we were done in April at Family Christian of 2017, and I met this recruiter in um, May, so about a month later. Okay. Um, so I took that one interview, but then everything went quiet. 
for six months. Um, it's six months away <laughs> where yeah. God is refining my understanding of his sovereignty and my confidence in his goodness and refining my ability to surrender every day, all that we are. And then in December, now, um, Price, this guy, he's a wonderful guy, shoots an email. My wife and I share the same inbox. We just love the freedom of that and the accountability that that is. So he shoots an email to my inbox, and my wife sees it first, and she reads it. And I was out in the yard working, and she comes running out. She goes, dear, you have got to see this. Here is what she said. She read the job description, and it is really unique, and it is very specific. She goes, you got to see this. This job description is so specific, but it's as if God has prepared you for the last 25 years for this very job. And then she read a number of them and they were wildly unique, like has led mission trips internationally in 15 countries, um, understands international law, understands human resources and organizational development, and has worked at that level in a Fortune 500. I mean, all this specific stuff. Yeah. Like, hmm. And I said, well, well, dear, what, what's the job? And she goes, well, it's president of the Tim Tebow Foundation. And I went, there's going to be so many people that apply for that. I mean, the guy's a celebrity. Really? Yeah. She goes, dear, who's sovereign? You or God? And I said. <laughs> <laughs> so that was at about the nine-month mark in the journey. And then God knit us together. So I called Price right away, and he was so great. He goes, well, I'm glad you called because uh, I've already submitted your dossier to Timmy. I said, well, <laughs> I said, thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, because his, so God somberly knit me together with that man because of Tim and the board's confidence in that man's word. Yeah. They put me right through to the very front of the line. And there were thousands. It was the largest search that this firm had ever done in terms of numbers. Yeah. And God put me right in front of that crew. And then eight weeks later, after a lot of vetting, Timmy and I get together. Steve, I want to go back. You mentioned six months of silence. Right. The listeners there, because I guarantee you there are people right now, they are in the thick of it right now. Mm -hmm. They're either between jobs or they've sold their business and they're not quite sure what they're going to be doing next. Or maybe they've lost their business and they're going through this deep wilderness season. This period of refinement is how you described it. Tell the listener a little bit more about that. What were some of those deep, dark moments like? Because having gone through it myself, there are times where I'm I would talk to my wife and I'd say, I'm giving up. I'm just going to get a job. I just got to get a job. Yeah. And Um, so. It is. It's frustrating. You get to this point of almost exasperation, but I would stand and I would look out. We had this beautiful view to the back of our property and just look out on the evergreens. And it would remind me that as I looked out that he created this for me, that he cares for that. He can care for me. But it was this intentional, deliberate, deliberate, daily, hourly recollection of his goodness and of his promises that he will provide for the sparrows and he provides for the lilies of the field. I got you, bro. And he would say in his word, he would say that in Isaiah 58, again, if you look after the oppressed and the hungry and the abandoned and the orphan and the afflicted, if you do that, that I will be your rear guard, which literally translated into 1990 languages. I got your back, bro. I mean, he was my rear guard. And so it was celebrating and remembering intentionally the truth of what God has promised and knowing as I look back on my life, not perfect, not easy, but he fulfilled everything. And 
upheld me in every way, in every manner. So that which had happened in the past was going to happen in the future. The same God. I was just encountering him in a new and deeper way. And so I would wake up in the morning and go, oh, this is weird. I'm waking up and I have no job. I have no income. And it was just, it was a weird thing. But knowing, And I would just, Lord, this day belongs to the mission that you're going to put me on. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to love people. And I began finding these intentional acts to go love people. My aunt and uncle, I just started doing their yard work. They're a little elderly, so they became a place where I could express my love. There were other guys from Family Christian that were in this journey of waiting as well. And so we started running together. We put up a call together on a Saturday where we would just encourage each other, pray with each other, help each other network. So we started to take deliberate action and have our time occupied by serving. And then the Lord filled it up with the right connections and the right network. But I went to his word a ton. It's an active word. It is alive and it fuels. And then I had an advisory group. I had uh, brothers and my kids were on it as well. My wife, of course, but an advisory group of brothers who we talked it through who I could lament. And I think it's okay to lament. It's like mm. the whole book on it. Yeah. It's okay to lament like, God, I am frustrated. Help me, help me, help me. But it's not about me. I get that, but I'm just, you know, my heart, I'm just, uh, I've got so much to offer and I just feel like, ah, I'm not able to make the impact today. You know, so it was a lament. But I, as you look awesome. at the book of Lamentation, a lament is fine. But then go to the station. Go back to your station. And what's my station? It's today's mission. Love and serve. Speak of his name. You know, find this small place where you can make a small difference. And they're all around us. If you got to go volunteer at the animal shelter, it doesn't matter. They're everywhere. Find a place to wake up. Sir, and I actually do have a T-shirt on this. Wake up, serve, repeat. Wake up, serve, repeat. Wake up, serve, repeat. <laughs> it became my brand. Even in interviews, I would they, people would ask me, what's your mission? Who are you? What are you about? And I would say, it's wake up, serve, repeat. And I knew that that was right on because in the last 24 hours of Jesus' life on earth, when he knew he was going to give his last sermon, so to speak, he's going to give his best. And he asked two things of his church, be unified and serve. And that's what he taught us in the last 12 and 24 hours. And so I was not going to lose my unity with my board, with my wife or my kids, and I was not going to stop serving. And so his word filled me up, intentionally serving and serving others filled me up. And it saves me from being self-focused. So when you are serving, you are looking at the lives of others and you are giving and you get filled up and he transforms that. And then I just did the work as well. I mean, it was practically sticking to the process, work the process, build the networks, talk to the people, pray, let folks know, spread the resume. But I would only go to the places he opened up. And so it was this dynamic three-legged stool of a great crew who was watching my back from a human perspective, God who I knew was watching my back, but reminded me reminded of that. And then I was doing the work as well. So I was playing my part. So those three things were during the season of waiting. Well, and I love what you said too, is that every day when you woke up, you chose, mm-hmm. right? You made an active choice. Oh, yeah. To love and to serve, right? Because I think when, I know there's been times when I've been frustrated, lamenting, you know, life circumstances, maybe a season that I'm in, that I get wrapped up in self. Yeah. Right? And when you don't choose to go toward that living word, like you talked Mm -hmm. about, God speaking with you and surround yourself with other people, I think that's where we can actually really get in trouble. Mm Mm-hmm. I, and we just call it zoom in and zoom out. I mean, it's kind of a family thing, but when we zoom in on us, things get kind of shady. <laughs> and 
that's when things go haywire. But when we zoom out and look at others in the big picture and the big mission that God is up to or that he's called us to, it's just wonderful freedom. And there are times when you need to zoom in, and I get that. But when it's zooming toward pity and woe is me and to, you know, my needs ahead of theirs, then it gets really destructive. And it's really freeing when you zoom out. And here's what helped me zoom out the most. And this is short, but it's so profound in my life. And I just got to celebrate what God did. We raised fearless kids. We raised them to see the world. We took them into third world countries. We did not shield them. We wanted to build them, not always protect them. So protect for a while, then prepare. And we had a great season of preparation, preparing them for what? To serve, to be kingdom builders, to be independent, responsible. And by God's grace, they all are doing it. But that also came with a price. And the price was (laughs) these kids want to go out and enter into chaos and go serve in hard places. And so my daughter, Jess, who graduated from Cornerstone um, as a teacher, she had been exposed to orphan care in Mexico. And as soon as she graduated, she wanted to go to Monterey and serve. But at the time that she wanted to go, Monterey was blown up with gang violence. The State Department had restricted travel, didn't want Americans go there to go there. But she was committed. She was called. But it was there were real difficulties. There were people losing their lives, um, largely within the gangs, but there was collateral damage. And there was uh, individuals from the United States who were being kidnapped uh, for ransom in all of this melee. And so she wanted to go and we had to surrender our daughter. And it was the most difficult thing Chris Mm. and I ever did. Mm. And we did it as a family. We wept. But when we got to this place where we could surrender her to Jesus, to get say she belonged, and we knew it intellectually, but we didn't ever do it emotionally. We didn't ever do it cognitively. We just talked about it. And then we had to really do it. Let her go to a place where her life was at risk. And emotionally now, we had to go before the Lord and we had to say, "Go, they belong to you. They are yours. You are sovereign. They are yours, daddy. And you will do much better with them than we can ourselves. And so they belong to you. So we looked at Jess. We said, Jess, it's good to go. We're behind you. And if you lose your life, I mean, because we had to say it out loud. If you lose your life, we will meet you in heaven. And then we wept, but we were free. And as soon as we gave up our kids and we did it with all of them, then they did it with me because I was doing some crazy things as well in terms of just rescues. And they always know I go in first anyway. I tell them the EMT. I go into the accident scene. I go into the burning building. I go into the fight. I just have to defend the lives of others. It's just how God went. But they had to do with me. But we wept. And when we gave each other up and we surrendered the most precious things in our lives to the Lord, we were set free. And we've never enjoyed so much power, freedom, and confidence. Because he came to give us life and to give us life abundantly. But I don't think we ever talked about surrendering our kids. Surrendering our grand, we don't have grandkids yet, but I know it's coming. We're going to have to surrender our grandkids. Ah, but it's beautiful because he does way better with them than we can. Because he may call us. And my wife and I ultimately had to surrender our geography. I wasn't prepared to do that. I talked about it. I said, I can go anywhere. I didn't want to leave West Michigan. I loved it. I love my buddies. I love what we do. Um, I love the lake show. I love hunting in the woods. I love fishing. And I said, well, I'm willing to go anywhere, but I really wasn't. And then God said, hey, I want you to join the Tim Tebow Foundation, and I want you to move to Jacksonville. And in the moment, I had to make that decision, and he just put me to the test. And as soon as this question was asked, Timmy asked, it, hey, are you prepared to move to Jacksonville? Immediately, I said yes, immediately. But it was because God had prepared me, and he knew that I didn't want to let go of the geography, and I knew he was going to call me out. <laughs> I was hoping that he wouldn't, but he did. And so we had to let go of this place that we've called home for a long, long time, and we have a deep network of people that we can serve and influence and love on, but... It's not his plan. His plan is, I got you on a mission. I need you to go to Jacksonville. So here I am. Mm -hmm. 
So now he's, we've got it covered. We've surrendered our finances. We've surrendered our home. We've surrendered our kids. We've surrendered our lives. We surrender geography. I don't know what else. <laughs> I don't know what else. Uh, but if it's there, I want to surrender it because he does give it back. He does make it better. He is so sovereign, so wise. And uh, actually, my wife and I were talking just yesterday that there could be a tendency to try to do things in advance of him, like I'll go before the Lord. And so we're actually learning to surrender even our thinking to be careful that it's always underneath his domain and his providence and his sovereign control. Um, it's like the, you know, Abraham, Sarah thing. Ah, you know, you're not moving fast enough, Lord. I'm going to go do this thing. You know, I, I'll go before you and get this done for you. And, and we're, we're being careful to even talk about that now as husband and wife and make sure we're united and we go before the Lord before we make decisions. We don't want to get ahead of him because ahead of him, that's, you're never ahead of God. You're never ahead of God. You're outside of his will. And we just put it into sweet little language. Oh, I'm just ahead of the Lord a little bit. No, no, no. You're in the wrong place. There is no ahead of the Lord. It doesn't exist. You know, you're all out of his will. You are in danger. You know, if you are ahead of the Lord, dude, you are on your own. You better prepare yourself for chaos. You know, Steve, I'd love to have you come back on and do a whole, let's do a whole podcast just on this whole topic of surrender and a call to obedience. Would you be up for that? I'm in. I'm absolutely in. That is profound and it is life changing. It has been for me. Because I got to tell you, my personal reaction, you know, my son has done some work overseas and, and my wife and I have talked about this. What you and Chris did in surrendering just to the Lord, mm-hmm. right, with your most precious relationship and person in the world, I, I still feel, you know, if my son said, hey, I wanted to go to a place like that. I know for a fact that would be something I would really have a hard time processing through. And I think it would be actually easier for me to do that than my wife. So I, and you know what, if I'm having a challenge surrendering one part, let's say my kids, I'll guarantee you if we dug deeper, that also means we're having some challenges surrendering other parts of my life that aren't as obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that experience. I, we lived that. I lived that. And uh, yeah, he, he asked for it all. Um, that is what he is worthy of. Yet I know he has returned it and he has given us the freedom that we desire. Um, you know, we just, there's so many shackles and we can talk about this in the next time through, but there's just so many shackles in the American culture. Um, and one of them is, is we just hang on to so much because we have so much. We get afraid of losing stuff. They call it materialism. It's worse. That's worse than that. It's a burden. It shackles us. It holds us back. It keeps us from being our best. And uh, it fills us with fear. And we are intended as believers to be filled with freedom. And so it's that, that whole surrendering thing. And, uh, you know, learning contentment is a powerful thing. I, a lot of us won't surrender. We want to hold on to contentment. We won't be satisfied. We just won't be satisfied. And that's a whole issue of surrender as well. Can you surrender your desire for more to me? And can you be content and satisfied in your circumstance? That's a whole nother discussion. Yeah, we will have that discussion. Everybody listening, just look for Steve's name and in an upcoming episode. And just as we wrap up, I'd love for you to share. Mm. Everybody can hear everything that God prepared you to do is now focused and in the mission, Mm. taking this mission that hasn't changed, but into what you're doing at the Tim Tebow Foundation. Can you share, first of all, how do people, first of all, get in touch with you and the foundation? Yeah, timtebowfoundation.org. So just go right there and you can communicate with us easily. timtebowfoundation.org. And you'll see uh, easy ways to communicate. And God is moving here. We are just so favored. Um, We operate in 
really three big areas, three to three big ministry areas, orphan care and orphan prevention. And we're able to do that around the world in seven countries and through adoption assistance, bringing special needs orphans, uh, children who are orphaned and special needs into families of faith, profound. And we just went over a hundred. Uh, the stats that you had, John, were right on. They were just last year, you know, 2018. And we need to update the website as 2019 has now ended. But so orphan care, orphan prevention, we're building strong families around the globe through various ministry initiatives and with partners. We definitely believe deeply in partnering and unity in this body and leveraging great partnerships to work. The second bucket in the middle is, um, serving people with special needs. And the biggest expression of that is Night to Shine. And now a whole new ministry we've started called Shine On. But Night to Shine has gone, it's the Holy Spirit. It's a movement of the Holy Spirit. It is going, it is ramping up at a faster rate than Special Olympics. I mean, God's spirit, God's breath is behind this thing. It's just so amazing. So, so describe year, what Night to Shine is. Oh yeah, Night to Shine is, yeah, Night to Shine, for those who don't know, it is a full-on prom at the highest level of excellence for people with special needs, ages 14 through 84 was our oldest one this year. (laughs) And we celebrate them. We lift them up. We crown them kings and queens. We let them know that there's a God in heaven who sees them exactly as that, that they are loved, special, unique, and they are so precious. And that he is in pursuit of a forever relationship with him. And that they are, they are important and vital and so profoundly loved. So it happens every night, the first, the Friday before Valentine. So this year was on February 8th, 2020. It'll be February 7th. And it happens around the world. This last year, 654 different locations, 24 countries, six continents. And God is just so good. So that is Night to Shine, this big celebration. And we had over 100,000 guests this year and over 200,000 volunteers. And what it is doing, it's rewriting the narrative in these communities where Night to Shine is being executed because all these volunteers come in and their comfort zone on interacting with people who have special needs is expanded. And they now start to see them in communities, now are starting to serve them in community. But the bigger thing that's happening is the church is waking up. And the church is going, wow, we can do this. We can be full-time in serving families and people with special needs. In fact, we should because Jesus he had 34 recorded miracles in the New Testament and 20 of them, 20 of them were for the afflicted. And then there's Isaiah 58, which you just can't walk past. If you set the desires of the afflicted free, your light will shine before men. So we need to be serving the afflicted. I mean, that's not the word we use today. We call it special needs, but it's the same concept. And so the church is waking up. And now the next movement to help churches and other faith-based non-governmental ministries around the world is called Shine On. So we're equipping them through partnership with nine really competent care providers of faith in the United States who know how to help a church develop a full-time ministry to families and to children with special needs. And it is to families as well. Moms and dads are forgotten. They're tired. They've got the demand on them 365 days a week, 24 hours a day to serve a child who has severe special needs. And so it's just important that we not forget the families. And so we're building strategies to serve these families, build respite, buddy programs, share the gospel through graded curriculums with the kiddos who have special needs. It's just beautiful what's going on. Outside the U.S., there's no infrastructure. So we're working now to build a model in Central America through partnership. We're starting to equip churches and other NGOs with the strategies, methods, and components of serving families with special needs. Because still in other country, children with special needs are seen as cursed. Oftentimes, they're killed pre-born. 
oftentimes are left in village uh, viaducts or dumps. And when they are born, it's still chaotic outside the United States. And so we're in that space. We're working hard to rescue. And we're doing a lot of that through partnership and also some very hands-on stuff. And we love it. And then the third category is the medical community. So where we're serving children with life-threatening illnesses and have those who have deep medical maladies that can be cured. Um, we have a Tebow Cure Hospital. Cure uh, International is a very strong partner of ours. We love them. You probably should have Roger on your show. Roger is a phenomenal leader. Roger Spolman, the president of Cure. Great story there. Powerful, powerful uh, man of God. Uh, but we, and that is where you see those surgeries happening. We're partnered there. Um, Timmy's wishes so much of the playrooms are dedicated to children and families who have medical trauma and, and all of those areas. And the fourth area is anti-human trafficking, which we are beginning to expand. And we do have a discrete operation that we are involved in, but we're going to be expanding there. We are investing now but we'll be more vocal about that in 219. Um, so those are the four ministries. The other exciting thing though, this is what God's doing. We've got 3000 acres of property up in the Poconos mountains that we're beginning to develop our camp at. So over the next five years, you're going to see an extraordinary world-class camp that serves all people in Jesus name, but really will be focused on complete accessibility for anybody that has special needs. And we're going to serve their families there as well. We're going to have a sweet little retreat center and we're going to love our parents. And then at the end of the week, we're going to have night to shine celebration on Friday night. So that's there. And then we are going to start short-term mission trips later this year to Central America, to the Navajo Nation here in the United States, and then to our hospital in the Philippines. So that's what we do by God's grace. And he just keeps growing. And we do it in family. We've got volunteers and donors and prayer support and encouragers all over the planet who are part of the Tim Tebow Foundation family. We truly do things together in community. And our heart is to give to our giving family and to all those who pray for us and support us, give back to them, help instruct them on what we've learned in our relationship with Jesus Christ, share with them what God's teaching us. You know, Timmy writes books, we share blogs, we share, you know, small visions and versions of that all to invest in the people who are serving alongside of us. So we want to grow our family by helping them grow head, heart, hustle. That's our story. We're sticking with it. Uh, dude, thank you for sharing that. And here's something I just want to point out for everybody listening to is you can absolutely hear just the raw joy and passion that's just exuding from Steve right now. Thank you for sharing that, Steve. But this also comes from a season not too long ago, mm-hmm. right, of mourning and lamentation and the hardness of waiting and being in stillness. And I just want to just use that, what you just shared, kind of almost the contrast of those two to have people just realize that God does have a plan and that all things work together for good for those that are called according to his purpose. And then when we stay on mission, we stay in his will, we acknowledge his sovereignty in what we do. He's going to lead us into that next season. It might not be anything that we ever expected, but it's going to be a place mm-hmm. that continues to just bring us alive because Christ said he came here to give us life and so that we could live it to the full and the enemy's out, always out there trying to destroy and take that away, that gift away from us, right? Mm-hmm. And here's the great thing is it is our choice, what we do every day, to deny him that opportunity. Thank it's you just, for just sharing that and, and being able to just see that uh, in what you just shared. I'm just grateful. And I know, you know, he did say it, it will work together for the good. He did not t- say it would be easy. And I just know when we give him our pain, he doesn't waste it. He uses it to create in us the heart that is necessary to serve well. He uses it to raise up in us the character that reflects him best in community. 
and he raises it up in him sons and daughters that will learn to glorify him well and deeply because he sustained us through those hard places. Well, hey, Steve, as we wrap up, just any final thoughts you'd like to leave with everybody who's been listening in the last hour? Uh, just the power of Thanksgiving, just being thankful. I just think we can never underestimate spending time reflecting on God's goodness and his goodness in our lives. Regardless of circumstance, we still enjoy incredible favor. And to just be heavenly minded at all times. You know, we are passing through this world. Don't get too attached to it. We're on a mission. You know, we've got an eternity. This is but a speck in relationship to eternity. Put our minds there, put our thoughts there, um, and live in light of eternity. And we will just live freer. And I think we will live more powerfully. He did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a, spot, a power, a spirit of love, power, and self-control. And that's being heavenly minded, knowing that we are his sons and we are citizens of a whole nother place. Yeah, thank you for what you shared so much. And everybody out there listening, I just encourage you to, you know, share this uh, with somebody who needs to hear what Steve had to share. Plug into the Tim Tebow Foundation, timtebowfoundation.org. I'll guarantee you, every single one of us listening, I know a, a number of families in my life, my world of kids with special needs. And man, it is hard sometimes. Especially when you have a kid that is kind of on the, the far end of the spectrum where they're going to need lifetime care their whole life. Yeah. And it's hard for these parents. Exactly. They're very close friends of ours. That their son is very, has extreme autism, can't even communicate. Mm -hmm. He's going to be their ward mm -hmm. for his entire life while he's alive. It is definitely a unique place. Uh, I think it's important to leave listeners with this because we hear from so many parents and the parents plea, their heart plea is see my child, remember my child. Approach my child. Don't be afraid of my child. So it is, remember, they're image bearers as well. There is sanctity of human life right there. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and approach, see, touch, impact. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for what you do, your whole organization, your team following the vision that Tim had, God put on his heart, which is in alignment with what God put on your heart. I love how what happens is we come together as a unified body. It's what can happen in partnership with the Father is absolutely epic, and that's something we cannot forget. So thank you, my friend, and I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks, John. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate you guys.